0: CHAPTER 47 OF THE STORY OF THE WORLD A SIMPLE HISTORY FOR BOYS AND GIRLS This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Sylvie Wolfe THE STORY OF THE WORLD A SIMPLE HISTORY FOR BOYS AND GIRLS By Elizabeth O'Neill CHAPTER 47 THE STORY OF CHINA AND JAPAN It was not until the 19th century that the countries of Europe had any real connection with the two great countries of Asia, China and Japan. Yet, the Chinese had a civilization older than any in Europe. Their country is larger than all the countries of Europe put together, and more than 400 millions of people live in it. The Chinese are a Mongolian people like the Turks. They have yellow skins and straight black hair, which, until lately, hung in long plates down their backs from the center of their heads, the rest of the head being shaven. The children's heads are shaven too, and until their hair has grown long enough to be put into a pigtail, it stands up in little tufts from the middle of their heads. But now most of the Chinese have had their pigtails cut off to show their liking for the new freedom which is finding its way into their land. We may often see Chinamen in the streets of our big towns today, but before the 19th century, this never happened, for the Chinese had got to a certain state of civilization and for hundreds of years they had gone no further. They wanted to have nothing to do with foreigners and to live their own life in their own way. Yet hundreds of years before the birth of Christ the Chinese knew how to write. Before that time, too, they could build suspension bridges and had made the wonderful Great Wall, 1,500 miles long, with towers and fortifications. The wall was really a road on top, and along it the caravans traveled which traded between Siberia and China. They had silk manufactures and made beautiful China, and they had discovered the art of printing 500 years before it was discovered in Europe. But China had never gone much further, and Europe knew little about her except the stories which Marco Polo told after his famous journey to the court of the great Khan, and these people had not believed. Picture caption. A Chinese emperor of the ninth century, examining the governors of cities, from an ancient Chinese painting. End caption. In the 16th century, traders from Portugal stopped at places on the Chinese coast, and later the English followed. In the 17th century, tea was brought from China to Europe. No one had ever seen it before, but the Chinese would not let people go far into their country. When, in the 16th century, a curious Portuguese succeeded in getting to Peking, the capital of China, he had his head cut off. And still, in the 19th century, it was the same. The Chinese took no notice of all the wonderful things which were happening in Europe, but went quietly on in their own way. Japan, too, when people began to be interested in it, in the 19th century, was just as anxious to keep itself free from the foreigners. But the Japanese soon showed that they were a very different people from the Chinese, Their history does not go so far back. They are probably a people of mixed race, but they must have some Chinese blood in their veins and are rather like the Chinese to look at. Picture caption. A great battle in Japanese history, painted by a Japanese artist. From a great painting, 12 feet long, of the Battle of Ogaki by a famous Japanese artist, This was one of the greatest battles in Japanese history. It was fought in the 17th century and gave the Shogun, a kind of hereditary prime minister, the supreme power in Japan, even over the Mikado, which he held until the awakening of Japan to Western ideas in the 19th century. End caption. Some people think that there is a large Aryan element in their blood. We know that the Japanese had taken possession of their beautiful highlands at least in the first century after the birth of Christ. Their history was not unlike that of the peoples of Europe in the early middle ages. There was an emperor called the Mikado over all the land, but a kind of feudalism grew up in which great lords got all power. The Portuguese traders went to Japan also in the 16th century and the Jesuits sent their missionaries to teach the people Christianity. But not much progress was made. Japan, like China, did not like foreigners. But in 1853, the United States sent some warships under Commodore Perry, with a letter from the President to the Mikado, asking him to make friends with the United States. He pointed out to them how near the two countries really were, the Japanese did not like the idea, but when, a few months later, the Americans came for their answer, the Japanese said yes, for they knew that they had no fleet to fight against the nations of Europe and America if they choose to fight them. Soon, America, Great Britain, Russia and Holland all had permission to trade at certain ports with Japan. In 1862, some Japanese were sent to journey through Europe and America. Everything was new and wonderful to them. Their own land was very charming, full of flowers. It was from Japan that chrysanthemums were first brought to Europe. The people themselves were small but quaint and pretty, and wore graceful clothes of cotton or silk, with great white sashes. Theirs is a land of sunshine though the top of the great mountain Fujiyama is covered with snow. They were fine artists and everything in Japan then, as now, seemed pretty and clean. But in the middle of the 19th century, the Japanese knew nothing of modern inventions. And these first men from Japan who came to Europe were full of enthusiasms when they went back. But there were many men in Japan, who still hated the idea of imitating Western ways. These men, joined it together, and overthrew the power of the great lords. The emperor got all power again, and they hoped he would send the foreigners away, but he did not. The old Mikado died, and the new one was full of enthusiasm too for the things which were to be learned from the West. Soon Japan had a navy and an army imitated from those of the countries of Europe. A new system of education was set up and every child in Japan was sent to school. Tokyo, the capital of Japan, became the largest city in Asia and one of the greatest in the world. It has electric light, telephones and telegraphs, all learned from the West. By degrees, too, Japan has won a parliament through which the people can use their power, thought the Mikado is still more powerful and important in some ways than most constitutional kings. The Japanese people have great respect and reverence for those above them and for old people generally. They are very honorable too and very brave. In some ways, they are the most wonderful people of our modern world, for the quick, eager way they have learned so many new things in so short a time. Japan, a small nation, after all about as big as Great Britain, first proved her new-found strength in the struggle with China. All this time, China remained as obstinate as ever, hating all new things. In 1840, she had been obliged to open up some of her ports to British trade and had given up the city of Hong Kong to Great Britain. But this was only after a war between the English and Chinese called the Opium War. British traders carried opium, which they got from the poppy fields of North India into China. Now, opium is a drug which makes people sleepy and stupid when they eat it and ruins the health of people who get into the habit of using it. It makes people intoxicated in the worst way even than too much wine or beer. Some of the Chinese people grew very fond of opium, and the Emperor tried to prevent the British from bringing it into China. A short war took place, and then the Chinese had to give in. A few years later, there was another war, in which France and England, together, destroyed some of the Chinese forts and marched to Peking. The Chinese Emperor had put some English in prison. These were released. But to give the Chinese a lesson, the wonderful summer palace of the Emperor at Peking was destroyed by the soldiers. More ports were then opened. Soon afterwards, the English helped the Chinese soldiers to put down a rebellion of thousands of Chinese who had risen against the government following their leader, who was a madman who thought he was a prophet and ought to rule over China. This time, English and Chinese soldiers marched together against the rebels, and peace was made. At last, the United States and the great European countries were allowed to send ambassadors to live in Peking, as they do to all the capitals of other countries. The China-Japanese War broke out in 1894. It was about the peninsula of Korea, which lies between the two countries. It did not belong to either... But the Japanese heard that the Chinese were making ready to invade it. The Japanese sent word to China that this must not be. But the Chinese went on with their preparations. Then war came. Everybody thought that little Japan would be crushed by the great power of China. But the Japanese won on land and sea. The Japanese fleet won a great victory over the Chinese in Korea Bay. And then the Chinese ships sailed off to Port Arthur in Manchuria. But the Japanese landed and took the town which is now one terminus of the Trans-Siberian Railway. Then China begged for peace. The Japanese were admired by all Europe. Our young soldiers had fought like heroes. A story is told of one boy who was blowing the bugle as he stood by his captain. A bullet struck him in the chest. But still, he blew till he dropped dead. But the Japanese had never really feared China. They knew that Russia wanted to take China for herself. And indeed, no sooner was the Treaty of Peace signed between China and Japan than Russia got France and Germany to join her in taking all that Japan had won. The Japanese waited their time. Meanwhile, in the year 19, many Chinese... Angry at the way in which the European countries had interfered in China, rose to attack the houses in Peking where the European ambassadors lived. The German ambassador was murdered in the street. Many missionaries who were trying to convert China to Christianity were murdered in the same way, or burned in their houses with their wives and children. Many of the ambassadors were besieged in Peking but were saved when the armies of six countries, with Japan amongst them, marched to their help. So far, the relations between China and Europe have not been a success. Yet, the Chinese are a splendid people in many ways, full of energy and industry. When they become Christians, they are splendid men indeed. And just lately, men in China have risen to demand freedom too, like the peoples of the West. A new constitution has been planned. We do not yet know how it will work, but the Chinese sent a touching request for prayers to be said in England for their success in their new way of life. On Sunday, 27th April 1913, prayers were said in most of the churches throughout Great Britain for, in the words of the Chinese message, the newly established government for the president yet to be elected, for the constitution of the republic, that the government may be recognized by the powers, that peace may reign within our country, that strong, virtuous men may be elected to office, that the government may be established on a strong foundation. With Japan, as we have seen, things are quite different. In the year 1904, The Japanese felt themselves strong enough to demand their rights from Russia and the Russo-Japanese war began. Before this everyone had feared Russia. People had believed that she had a wonderful army, but neither her army nor her navy was a match for those of Japan. At the beginning of the war, the Japanese defeated the Russian fleet and landed their armies in Korea. Terrible battles followed in any one of which the Russians lost more soldiers than were killed altogether in the Year war. When peace was made, Korea was given to Japan. Before this, Japan and England had made the Treaty of Friendship. Both were determined to prevent the power of Russia from growing. England feared that Russia might attack her empire in India, and both were determined that China should be left with the Chinese. For this and other reasons, the friendship between England and Japan is very close. Both are island nations and have very much in common. End of chapter 47